right, guys. So we discussed last week that we were going to start a top 11 tournament. And we actually recorded this episode last Wednesday. And, of course, then all the news hit with uh, the coronavirus and the quarantining and everything kind of kind of went up in the air for a little bit there. But we have decided that we are going to continue doing our top 11 tournament because it's just fun. And I think we could all use a little fun. So the gold cast will continue. We will continue putting out gold dives. We will continue with our top 11 tournament for March. And uh, we are still going to be here delivering fun episodes and hopefully delivering all of you and ourselves a much needed break from uh, some of the uh, intense situations going all around going on worldwide so wherever you are just know that uh, we are keeping you in our thoughts and prayers we hope you're staying safe we hope you're staying responsible take care of yourselves take care of each other and uh, hopefully this episode can give you a little bit of reprieve and a little bit of a break of everything going on worldwide. So here it is, the our top 11 episodes, a uh, top 11 49er games of the decade coming right up. Today's episode of the Top 11 podcast is sponsored by our very first top 11 tournament. And Candlestick Will, I'm going to throw the mic to you. Why don't you explain to the people what the next month is going to look like for Top 11? Okay, so we're going to do it big here. Let's see. So we got today's episode is going to be the 49ers games of the decade. And then we're going to follow that up with the other two teams from the Bay. So we'll go with the Top 11 Warrior games of the decade, followed by the Top 11 Giants games of the decade. And then we'll wrap all that up with the top 11 Bay area games of the decade. So taking all three teams into consideration, what are the best games of the 2010s? Yeah, I cannot wait. This is going to be good. Raymond, why don't you let them know where can they find us? You can always like us on facebook.com slash the gold cast. And you can also follow us on Twitter at the underscore Goldcast, and be sure to subscribe to us via Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and Stitcher, all under the same moniker of the Goldcast. Like, subscribe, and comment because we like to hear from you, and we certainly want to get your take on this week's Top 11 episode. Yeah, Top 11 Podcast, one of our sister po- the sister podcasts of the Goldcast, and uh, we've got such a good one coming up. Candlestick, well, why don't you let them know where can they find the Top 11 podcast? Trying to keep it simple, man. It's at, on Twitter at Top 11 Podcast, Top 11 Podcast. Yeah, and then Candlestick, well, where can they find you? They can find me on Twitter at Candlestick, well. Ray, where can they find you? I'm on Twitter at Ray Solis and Instagram at Ray Solis one yeah, and I'm on Instagram and Twitter with my brand new handle. I am Rudy Third, not Rudy Three. Rudy Three R D. Can't get that damn Rudy Three yet, but uh, hopefully I'll get famous enough to bump those people off and get I am Rudy Three. But you can find <laughs> me at I am Rudy Third. All right, 
Goldcast is taking a break. We're here for our top 11 podcast today. Huge episode. Huge, huge, huge. Now, here we go. The top 11 greatest 49ers games of the past decade, of the 10s. This is going to be really fun. Very tough, very difficult. But first, the greatest intro in the podcast game, the Goldcast. Let's go. San Francisco, are you ready? This is the Gold Cast. Boom! Welcome to another edition of the. Ooh, I almost said the Gold Cast, <laughs> the Top Eleven Podcast. I'm your host Rudy Salisa III, and with me is my brother, my co-host Raymond Salisa First, baby, and our esteemed co-host Candle Stick Will. Boom! All right, gentlemen, here we go. Round one of our top 11 tournament. The 49ers enter the tournament first with the for the top 11 greatest games of the past 10 years. And as always, Candlestick Will, why don't you break down for the people how we present the game, how we present our top 11, because it is a little unique. Yeah, so we uh, will each give our our top 11 and we'll break it down into tiers. So we'll start with 11, 10, 9, and 8. So we'll get our bottom four on the list first. Then we'll announce 7, 6, 5, and 4. Then once we do that, we will shout out any honorable mentions that didn't make our list and then end with the top three and end with the three best games of the decade. Yeah, awesome. And so why don't, as always... Why don't we start with you, Raymond, and give us your 11 through 8. Okay, so I've got week 8 of the 2019 season, the 51 burger over Carolina. I've got the same season, week 9, the very next week, the 28-25 game against Arizona. And then I have the same season, week 14, just a few weeks later, the 48-46 against New Orleans. Wow. All 2019 in the first four. All shanty, baby. All shanty. Wow. (laughs) We went full recency bias there. I like it. All right. My turn. At number 11, I have Oakland Raiders at the 49ers week 9. November 1st, 2018. I have have at number 10, Seattle Seahawks at 49ers, week 15, December 16, 2018. Week at number 9, Seattle Seahawks at the 49ers again, but this time week 14, December 8, 2013. And I'll I'll explain all these games when we get into that section. And then at number 8, the Green Bay Packers, at the 49ers NFC Championship, January 19th, 2020, just from this past December. All right. So for number 11, I have December 8th, 2013, Niners beat the Seahawks 1917 in Candlestick. For number 10, I have January 12th, 2014, is Niners over Panthers at Carolina in the divisional round. For number 9, I have December 23rd, 2013, Niners over the Falcons at Candlestick. And for number eight, I have January 12th, 2013, the Niners over the Packers at Candlestick in the divisional round. 
Ooh. So, Raymond, do you want to break down why you put those games in that order? So, I... So, any game, regular season games, didn't are not going to be featured in my my top, 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 just to give you a hint. So, I went with everything before that is either, you know, uh, a lower... An, an earlier round playoff game or a regular season game. And, you know, week eight versus Carolina was, you know, us going, staying undefeated. I was also physically at that game with family and got to watch the Niners, you know, really kind of hit a a new stride going into the halfway point of last season, this past season. And putting the 51 burger over Carolina, who at the time was, uh, you know, doing really well. It was, uh, I think, it was seven and zero versus like four and two or something like that, or four and one. I forget there. The, yeah, because uh, Cam Newton lost the first two games, and then they started the young kid who uh, was four and zero at the time, and he just kind of hit a rude awakening with the Niners, and just really never recovered for the remainder of the season. He was really up and down. He was almost errorless up to that point in this first four game stretch. Uh, you know, the, the quarterback for the Carolina Panthers, I even forget his name just cause it's, that's how uneventful he, he was, but, um, but he really struggled after that. And I think, uh, that was just a great game to watch in person and to just watch him put a romping. And then the next game, week nine, the 28, 25 against Arizona, that was really the Jimmy G coming out and really kind of proving that if, the run game or if the offense was limited to one dimension that Jimmy really was capable of carrying the team on his back, which he totally did in that game. And that was, um, that was again, another fun watch for, for them or for, for me, just because Jimmy really aired it out and I had faith in Jimmy and he was 28 for 37 that game. He had 317 yards, four touchdowns, zero interceptions, QBR of 136. And he was awesome. He was super, super awesome. Outside of, you know, Kyler Murray's one big 80 yard pass, you know, he was, you know, that was just a great game. And it was just kind of like, shushing the naysayers down and then again in week 14 against new orleans it's again jimmy garoppolo doing jimmy garoppolo things and in a game where it we were forced into a shootout it was we didn't have a choice in the matter that that was the only way we were going to beat the saints and jimmy once again put the team on his back and went toe to toe with Drew Brees. He had the one pick, but he had 300. He had the exact same yards as Drew Brees. Three, he was, uh, but he was 26 for 35. So uh, uh, he was more efficient than Drew Brees. He was 29 for 40. He threw four touchdowns and one pick. Drew Brees did edge him in that uh, category. He had five touchdowns, no picks. But outside of that, you know, Jimmy really carried the team, and we bested the Saints by two points. Okay. All right, Rudy. What about you? So. Number 11, I went Oakland Raiders at the 49ers week 9, November 1st, 2018. That was the very first one. The final battle of the Bay game. I chose this game because it was the last time the Niners and Raiders will ever play, both being in the Bay. Nick Mullins, it was his first start at QB. He was replacing C.J. Beathard, who was hurt at the time, and he absolutely destroyed the Raiders. And who are we kidding? We were garbage. Jimmy G was out. We were The whole season was basically done for. We'd only won one game prior to this game. 
And we just sent the Raiders packing 34 to 3. And just a wonderful way to send them off. Bye bye, Oakland. See you later. Uh, number 10. This is also in the same that same year, Seattle Seahawks at the 49ers. This was the Week 15 game. Mullins beats the streak. So Nick Mullins ends a 10-game losing streak that dates back all the way to us losing to the Hawks in the AFC Championship back in 2013. It was another game. We didn't really have any business of winning, but it was just awesome. That was the final win of the season. It's the last game we won, and it was just great to see the Niners finally end the streak, the losing streak against the Seahawks. So that's why I put that at number 10. At number 9, the Seahawks 49ers week 14 of December 8, 2013. This, to me, is the peak of the rivalry, the greatest rivalry of the last 10 years in football, without question, is the 49ers and Seahawks. And this is the game where the rivalry just explodes. Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson come to San Francisco in the in a final preview of what would be the NFC Championship of that year. It was an insanely brutal game. Two of the, na- the two nastiest defenses in the league. And pretty much everyone believed that these two teams were going to duke it out in the NFC Championship, most likely, and that the winner of that game was probably going to take the whole thing. And this was all, all the way back in week 14 we could already see this it was a tough brutal game Niners squeak by 19 to 17 and then number eight the NFC championship from the past from just this past January the return of the 49ers back to greatness a royal ass whooping uh, against the Green Bay Packers a team we have just owned this entire decade anytime we've been good and I saw this really as the coronation of Kyle Shanahan John Lynch Robert Sala final score 37 to 20 and so that's why I chose those games mainly for their importance just the what what they each signified as far as uh, their place in the history of the last 10 years Candlestick Will what about you so uh, number 11, I had the December 8 uh, regular season game between the Niners and Seahawks um, in 2013. Uh, Niners were 8-4 and four, uh, coming in. Seahawks were 11-1. and one. Niners beat them 19-17 to 17 on a Phil Dawson game-winning field goal with just 26 seconds left. Um, Seahawks were up one with about six and a half to go in the game. Uh, a huge play was uh, Kaepernick to Vernon Davis. Touchdown with six seconds left in the half. Um, was the only touchdown that day for the Niners. And, you know, you're in candlestick, you're eight and four. So you, you have to win this game against the Seahawks and the Seahawks are 11 and one. So it's not an easy task. So the fact that they could um, take on the best team in the, in the NFC at the time and get a close win was huge. And that 2013 season, obviously they were off, uh, ended up getting in the playoffs and doing some big things. So, um, that was a, a cr- critical win for, for them that year. For number 10, I have the January 12, 2014 game between the Niners and Panthers, a uh, 23-10 win against uh, Carolina in Carolina. Uh, they were on the road despite having a much better record or having a better record. The Niners were 13-4 um, were and four coming in. Um, I guess they were both 12-4 and four, um, that year, and Niners were 13-4, and four, though, because they had to play in the wild card. And... Uh, they had come off the road playing. Uh, they had a road playoff win in Green Bay um, in January, you know, obviously um, the week before. So you have that momentum um, going against uh, Cam Newton and the Panthers. And Kaepernick, you know, outplayed Cam Newton in a battle between two of the best quarterbacks in the in the uh, in the world at that time. 
and the Niner defense didn't give up a single point in the second half. Um, Cam Newton was sacked five times and threw two picks. So just a really well well played all around game for the Niners. Uh, for number nine, I have uh, the last game of the stick: Niners Falcons, thirty four to twenty four. Um, the Niners were ten and four going in. The, the Falcons were four and ten, but this game mattered more than just trying to get the eleventh win of the season. But also, it was the last home game at Candlestick, and everyone remembers it for Navarro Bowman's interception. But uh, shout out to Patrick Willis who had eighteen tackles that game. Um, Bowman had eleven tackles also. Uh, but then Matt Ryan to Tony Gonzalez with two minutes left. They get the onside kick. That makes it 27-24. So with a minute left to go, I don't think anyone at Candlestick was you know, was sure that they were going to win the game. So when Bowman took, you know, gets that interception off the um, deflection and takes it to the house, I mean, that's you know, that's how you, that's how you shut down a, a building. You know what I mean? That's just makes the, make, make all of candlestick shake and, and send it home. And then number eight, I had January 12th, 2013 Niners beating the Packers 45 to 31. Um, Kaepernick had four touchdowns in that game, two rushing, two passing through for, through for 263 yards um, and two touchdowns also ran for 181 and two touchdowns. Um, Frank Gore had 119 yards rushing, 48 yards receiving. Crabtree went nine for 119. So all their big dogs showed up. But to to dominate against the Packers, the, the Packers come up a few times on my list. Um, spoiler alert! But you know the, the the Niners the Niners beating the Packers in the 2010s is always fun um, because of the rivalry that was built with Young and Favre and and kind of the history that that team those two teams have against each other. And the Niners found, found ways to beat the Packers quite a few times uh, in the 2010s. And the 2013 one against the, against the uh, Aaron Rodgers led Packers where Kaepernick just absolutely dominated was, was definitely one worth remembering. Love it. So Ray, what do you got for seven through four? Oh, you know what? I didn't give my eight. So I guess. Oh, did you not? I, so I guess. Uh, well, that was uh, week 2019, week 12, the 37-8 route of the Green Bay Packers, who have a few appearances in my list. Yeah, that's going to be a, a, a general theme, I think, yeah. for all of our lists. <laughs> yes, I, I think so, so you, too. I think so. So, so there's your, so there's there's your number eight. Why don't you go ahead and give seven seven through four now? Yeah. So um, seven through four is. 2019 week 17 the 26 21 against seattle the stop two game and number six i've got the 2013 week one the 34 28 shootout against guess who green bay the 2013 number five is 2013 week 16 the 34 24 win over the atlanta falcons the pick at the stick that you mentioned and at number four, I've got the 2014 NFC Wild Card game, the 23-20 win over, big surprise, Green Bay. <laughs> what about you, Rudy? All right. At number seven, I have 49ers at the New Orleans Saints, week 14, December 8th, 2019. Final score was 48-46. At number six, 
I cheated, and I have a two-way tie. (laughs) (laughs) And here's my two-way tie. Green Bay Packers at the 49ers, divisional round, January 12, 2013, a game we've already seen come up twice on your guys' lists. Uh, And then the Caps' first playoff game, and then – uh, his the classic, you know, he put up 440 yards, and and the entire Packers team was at 352, but then the second game, 49ers at Green Bay Packers the following year, wild card round, January 5th, 2014, the sleeveless game. That's my that's my tie at number six, at number five, Jacksonville Jaguars at 49ers, week 16, December 24th, 2017. Final score was 44-33. I'll get into that game when we get to that part. And then week four, 49ers at Seattle Seahawks. Week 17, December 29, 2019. The stop two, Ray. I have the stop two in that section, but I've got it at number four of my greatest Niner games. And I'll explain why when we get to that part. Uh, but Candlestick Will, what about you, buddy? All right, so at number seven, um, I have January 19, 2020, uh, 49ers against the Packers, 37 to 20. Um, for number six, I have December 8, 2019, the 49ers Saints, 48 to 46 game that we've already mentioned. Uh, Rudy, you just you just mentioned. Uh, number five, I have December 16, 2012, the 49ers beating the Patriots in New England. And for number four, I have January 5, 2014. The 49ers beating the Packers 23-20 to at Lambeau Field. Mm. Ooh, that was good. That New England game, man. That, I, you know, I really wanted that somewhere in here. I just could not find the right spot. Um, Which one? The the, the, the not- 49ers at, at, at New England beating Brady in, in, uh, in New England in 2012. Oh, that's right. That was 40, a 42, 40, yeah, 40 burger. 41 to 34. That was a badass yeah. game. I was that out of the country for that. I watched that in another country. That was amazing. That was a badass game. That was such So, a Ray, game. why don't you why don't you break down uh, 7 through 4? So, Seattle I picked I put it up there just because of the signification of the game. The NFC West was at stake. The number one seed was at stake, and the game really came down to one play, much like the infamous stop one, which was in Super Bowl 16, January 24th, 1982, the famous goal line stand between the 49ers and the Cincinnati Bengals, where on third and one, Dan Bunce made the infamous stop. And even though it's funny, it's it, he got the stop on third and one, but you know we had another stop after that on fourth down to that really solidified the goal line stance. But uh, but that one became the famous one out of all the plays. Uh, I think just because of the way it it happened and went down, perhaps you know it was a it was a tough play and it looked like it was perhaps going to go in and ended up uh, Dan Bunce made a great play. But again, uh, we had a, a great play. Uh, historically on our end by a rookie linebacker who also wore number 57 Dre Greenlaw so that was a that was a really amazing game that had me on the edge of my seat up until the very last second and the 2013 week 1 34 28 versus Green Bay game this was a game where we had we're coming off the Super Bowl loss cap had taken over for Alex Smith halfway through the season and the offense really kind of flourished under him and it seemed to be more explosive because you know the league was really taken a taken off caught off guard with his running ability and also his powerful arm 
And everyone was wondering, you know, what was Cap going to do to really kind of build on the season in from 2012. And in this game, um, I thought, uh, I remember the first thing, Rudy, and I, Rudy, you and I were both kind of echoing this, this whole deal was that uh, we kept saying Cap got good, Cap got better because he was 27 for 39 for 412 yards and three touchdowns, no picks. He outdueled Aaron Rodgers in that game. And I really thought that Cap was going to become this prolific passer from this game and unfortunately that's not the way the rest of his career played out but uh in this game he certainly him and Anquan Bolden just really decimated this Green Bay Packers secondary and just tore them uh, a new one and this game was toe-to-toe it wasn't until the fourth quarter Green Bay scored every time we scored vice versa and this was tied up until the very end until we got that final score we scored 13 points in the fourth quarter as opposed to Green Bay seven to pull out the victory there. And that was just an amazing way to start that season. And then 2013, for a lot of the same reasons that you uh, already pointed out, um, uh, Candlestick Will, and that's just a pick at the sticks. And and, and to me, the, the big play was that they were threatening to score, and that score would have given them the lead. But Tremaine Brock made a terrific play on that one and really disrupted uh, the the throwing lane. And Namara Bowman was just at the right place at the right time and just took it to the house to really solidify the win. We already had the lead. You know, he could have felt fallen down and it, it could have, it would have been the same result. But the fact that he was able to get a pick six out of it in, in the manner which he did. And Jim Harbaugh ripped off his head headset and was running down the field and the whole crowd was into it. And, you know, it's uh it was a, the, the proper way to end a very historic stadium with so much NFL hist- rich NFL history and amazing games played in that game. More, I think, more playoff games or more NFC Championship games in that stadium than any other in history. You know, someone can fact check me on that, but uh, I think it's it's up there. I know it's up there, but I, um, I know maybe. we've played in more NFC Championship games than any other team in the NFC. We've played them in the most NFC Championship games of any team. I know we should have more Super Bowls because of that. But um, but the, that's another gripe for another day, and uh, yeah, that was and then uh, number four, the 2014 NFC Wild Card game, the 23-20 game. This was a game where Green Bay really played us a lot more tightly. I mean, Green Bay's always played us very well, especially in the Cap era. There was those were always some pretty tight games, but in this one, it was you know we were in the Wild Card round, and you know Cap didn't have his his best day. But, uh, but you know, he did enough on the ground and enough in the air to really get us within field goal range to edge that game out. And that was by one second. We waited till one second to get that field goal off in time. And sure enough, uh, St. Green, Green home packing. So that is three, I think, or yeah, that is three losses to Green Bay. Green Bay has never been able to beat a 500 or better version of the 49ers in the Aaron Rodgers era. He's always beaten us when we've been below 500 and just you know a garbage team anytime the team has been a contender for the for the for the tournament rogers is like oh for five oh for six something like that it's pretty bad i think all those six are somewhere on our list <laughs> <laughs> i completely agree all right what about you ray i mean rudy so 49ers at New Orleans Saints is is at my seventh spot. The gauntlet. I call this game the gauntlet. It was the final three games, what everyone was calling the gauntlet. The, you know, obviously uh, no team had ever faced three teams over in a row over um, 800. And and, uh, all 
all uh, all this late in the season. It never happened before. And so this was literally the three-week hardest stretch. We were called the pretenders. Everyone said the all-season we were pretenders. They, there was a lot of questions about Jimmy G, and uh, I think it's one of his best games of the season, if not his absolute best game. This was also the second game to decide the number one seed for the a- NFC. Again, a, a, a battle we we twice with Seattle and once with the Saints to decide who got the number one seed, and uh, just a great game, forty-eight to forty-six, huge battle. Really showed that the 49ers didn't go through the gauntlet; uh, they were the gauntlet, and that was a great feeling. Uh, I tied these games here because I really look at these Green Bay Packers, these back-to-back years against them as two of Cap's absolute masterpieces. And in my opinion, arguably, the two best games I think he might have ever played. Um, I just loved loved him in the sleeveless game and loved him in that divisional round. He was just so beastly in both these games and and you know hard-fought games on both sides you I mean you guys have said a lot about them the sleeveless game to me is just his most infamous game it goes down in history it's just like the just the most cappiest cap game that season <laughs> i called this uh the um the head hunting streak we won nine games in a row and had we beat seattle in the in the a- NFC Championship, we would have been the first team ever to win all three road games uh, in in the playoffs, which is something no one's ever done. But this was um, one of final two games that we would win to end our streak at nine. But what a game. The sleeveless game was am- amazing. And then, of course, that first one was the emergence of cap, you know, so I, I can't say enough good things about that. Um, at number five, the Jacksonville Jaguars at 49ers in week 16 of 2017. Jimmy versus the Jags. This is really, to me, the start of the Kyle Shanahan, Jimmy G era. Jacksonville was the was the was considered, widely considered to be the only real contender that had a chance of stopping the Pats that season. And pretty much everyone expected us to lose. I remember saying before the game, and I think I even said it on the Goldcast that year, I said, I remember telling, telling somebody, I will just be happy if the Niners can score, put up a couple points against this defense, if we could put up a couple touchdowns and Jimmy G doesn't look that bad, I'll be pretty happy with uh, with this game. And it ended up we dominated 44 to 33 and really shocked the world. And I really, really consider this game when we when ever when when the the history books are all said and done and closed on this era of the Niners, I really think the Shanahan-Jimmy G era starts with this game against the Jaguars. This really showed that this team had something special with this combination. And then at number four, uh, the stop two. Not a really a whole lot to say that's already or already hasn't been said. I'll add a couple other things because to even even make it even grander. This is the final game of the 100th season of the NFL, the greatest rivalry of the last decade. The entire NFC hangs in the balance. Winner takes all. Loser drops to the fifth seed. It's our first win in, in Seattle in eight years, and it came down to that final play and capped off one of the best seasons in 49er history. And so, you know, that's just to add even more relevance to it um i put that game at number four because it was just such a big game i'm actually kind of surprised that it, it it showed up a little higher and so in in, in your guys's lists um but uh but yeah that's why that's that's where i have those games you know just in terms of the importance and uh three left to go uh candlestick will what about you buddy so at number seven, I had the uh, January 19, 2020 game, the Niners and Packers, 37-20. 
Um, you know, just the sheer dominance in which the Niners just destroyed the Packers, um, got them to the Super Bowl. The Raheem Mostert game, 220 yards and four touchdowns, um, outrushing the Packers, 285 to 62. The Richard Sherman interception um, to seal the game. You know, it just everything about that game was just the Niners are going to dominate for a lot of years going forward. Like the message that game sent was it doesn't matter who we have at running back. It doesn't matter who we have on defense. It doesn't matter who we have on offense. We're, we're just going to shut people down. Um, and I know that the, the, the last sentence of the season wasn't how everyone wanted it to be, but the feeling coming out of that game was just one of sheer domination and, you know, Holy shit, here come the Niners is, kind of the, the feeling I think every Niner fan had was like, not only are we here, but we're here to stay. I think as what you just mentioned about the Jaguar game, that was, you know, what could be what, you know, what could be the start of it. This was a, an absolute sledgehammer of a game to just say, no, we're, we're going to be here for a while. Um, at number six, I have the, that gauntlet game, Niners and Saints 48, 46 um, to, to finish off that, streak where you you dominate the eight and two Packers then you lose by a field goal to the nine and two Ravens and then you find a way to beat the Saints by two points when you're both coming in ten and two and you you take on those three teams and, and play them as well as you can um, you know the, the Saints took a one-point lead with a minute left so to get the the game winner with two seconds left from Robbie Gould was you know an incredible way to end that three-game stretch, um, the George Kittle run, you know, that everyone remembers it's a Niner fan. But I think the other part of that game was the fact that you had Jimmy G and Drew Brees go head-to-head. Um, Jimmy went 26 for 35 for 349 yards and four touchdowns. So the same quarterback that didn't do anything in that dominant conference championship game against the Packers um, because he didn't have to, because they ran the ball so so dominantly, ended up looking like Drew Brees um, as a quarterback when they needed him to throw. So I think that the fact that they could do both of those things the same year also says a lot about the future, but also why that game, I think, stands out to me. Um, for number five, I have the December 16th, 2012 game, Niners and Patriots. Um, I know you guys were saying that you wanted to have it on your list to me, to go into New England and win any time of the year is is pretty significant. Um, and to me, in some ways, it's bigger than some of the playoff wins they've had. And proof by the fact that I have it number five and I have some playoff wins lower than it and I have some playoff wins even in honorable mention. But the Niners were 9-3-1 and one coming in. The Patriots were 10-3. and three. Um, to, to put up 41 points on a Bill Belichick defense is one thing. This was Kaepernick's fifth ever start. Um, by comparison, it was Brady's 173rd start. Damn. Um, Kaepernick went 14 of 25 for 221 yards and four touchdowns, one interception. He only threw 10 touchdowns all season because he only started um, like seven games. Um, and he threw... He only threw three picks that year, and one of them was in this game. But he had a 108.5 uh, uh, quarterback rating, only got sacked one time. Brady had a very Brady game at, and initially, 35 for 45 for 443 yards, but only one touchdown and two picks. 
he only threw eight picks all season and he threw 34 touchdowns. So he had, you know, we had the fourth best uh, touchdown total of any quarterback that year. And he only threw one touchdown in that game. So despite 34 points, he only threw one touchdown himself. He was sacked three times. So, you know, both Kaepernick and Brady basically had a 63% uh, completion percentage for the season, but Brady threw for 4,800 yards on the year, 34 touchdowns, only eight picks. So to have a one touchdown, two interception game against the Niners that day says a lot about what the Niners defense actually did, even though they gave up 34 points. But to go into New England and win is, to me already, to do that anytime this decade is, is something that should be remembered. And then for number four, I have the January 5th, uh, 2014 game between the Niners and Packers, where the, the Niners um, were 12-4 and four and beat the 8-7-1 and one Packers 23-20. to 20. For some reason, because the NFL is stupid, they were on the road. Um, you know, and, and for some reason they have to have division winners get home games when their record's terrible, but, um, they also won it on a game winning walk-off field goal by Phil Dawson, Aaron Rodgers, who won the MVP that the following season, um, he only played nine games that year, but he went 17 for 26 for 177 yards and one touchdown was sacked four times. So to shut down one of the game's absolute best quarterbacks in the, on the road, um, in the playoffs at Lambeau is, is pretty special. Um, so that's why I had it at number four. Nice. All right, Ray, what do you have for uh, honorable mention? You know, not much. I have the, uh, the new England game that you mentioned just for the sheer fact of, you know, beating Brady. Although now in retrospect, I think having Brady's loss in the list would have had, uh, greater impact and uh, greater satisfaction but uh <laughs> but uh, it is what it is and then i also have the um what is it the uh the uh the raiders game that you mentioned earlier rudy uh that was a great game um even though battle you know, of the bay the, baby yeah the significance of the season was you know really wasn't much but I have that game. And then I also had the Jimmy Garoppolo game against the Bears where he led the comeback that was all won by field goals by uh, Robbie Gold, the golden foot. He had like five field goals that game, five or six, something like that. It was uh, – and he led the uh, – That was a fun game. That the, was the a no, fun the one. No, the no huddle comeback two-minute drill uh, drive that led to the final scores like 15 to 14 or 15 to 13 or something like that. But uh, yeah, it was a cool game. Um, and again, I was really impressed with Jimmy Garoppolo's uh, ability to manage a no huddle two minute drill with the game on the line in a Kyle Shanahan offense, even though it was a, you know, stripped down version of it so that Jimmy could have an easier time. Still not an easy task for any quarterback. So that that was uh, those are the big three that I had. What about you, Rudy? So I have six games. <laughs> I know. I know. I managed to put in 12 games in my top 11 and then six honorable mentions. Um, so number six, Shanahan's first win, November 12, 2017, week 10, 31-21 over the Giants. Number five, Harbaugh's first win, September 11, 2011, week one, 33-17 over the Seahawks. And then the last four are all 
gut-wrenching losses that I can refuse to put in the greatest games, but I will. I, I believe they deserve a mention. The 2011 NFC Championship game against the Giants, the Kyle Williams game, uh, the the Super Bowl that just passed, 20, the 2013 NFC Championship against the Seahawks, and, of course, at number one, the Har Bowl, which uh, had a really rough start but really felt at the end like it was going to be a classic Niner finish, you know, pulling the game out of our ass, Joe Montana style, and uh, unfortunately it did not go that way. But it's the, it's the game that hurts the most. I've only seen it once ever um, the, the, live. I'll never see it again. But uh, I do remember the second half of that being pretty epic. Um, the entire game was weird. The lights shutting down, and it was just such a crazy game. And so I put that at my number one honorable mention, the Harbowl. How about you, Candlestick Will? What's your, who's your honorable mentions? So I have the uh, Eagles, um, the, just, uh, the uh, let's see what, October uh, 2nd, 2011, their comeback. The uh, Eagles were up 23 to three. Yeah, with, with nine with 9:30 to go in the third quarter, and the war or the Warriors and the 49ers um, came back and won 24-23. It was a badass game too. Um, the December 24th, 2011 game against the Seahawks. It was in Seattle. Seattle was seven and seven. The Niners were 11 and three, and they came, they went into Seattle and beat them. Um, the Packers 2019 game that you mentioned, I have as well as the. The Vikings 2020 uh, playoff win, you know, I, I figured out any playoff win that didn't make my top 11 should be an honorable mention, um, just simply because you don't you don't get to make the playoffs that often in the NFL. And then the four games you just mentioned, um, you know, both Super Bowl appearances in this decade and both NFC championship losses were all games that could have easily been won, had one thing gone different. Um, you know, the Ravens game, they were at the goal line, the chiefs game, they were up 10 late in the game giants game. Obviously you mentioned the Kyle Williams fumble, um, and the Seahawks, they threw a pick in the end zone right at the end of the game. So there's, you know, the ball moves a couple inches differently in all four of those games. And we might be talking about what could be the actual top four of our lists, which could have been those four games. Yeah, totally. I I think if the Niners beat the giants that day, if the Niners beat the Seahawks, to win 10 straight, like you were mentioning earlier, if they beat the Chiefs with the way the Chiefs were playing, with the way Mahomes played that day, and if you play, if you beat the Ravens in the Super Bowl, um, you know, if they give the ball to Gore just once, or if um, they, you know, make make a any different decision on, on what kind of pass play they run, um, you know, in that in the way that way that game would have ended, um, that's easily the the top four on our list. So. Um, so just shout out to those, to those four games. So, uh, so Ray, what do you got? What's your top three? All right. Top three. I've got the 2020 NFC championship game that you've already mentioned. The 37, mm. 20 win over green Bay. That's the fourth green Bay mentioned here. And then I have the 2013 NFC divisional playoff round against guess who the green Bay Packers, the 45, 31, that was the Kaepernick in a fifth gear game. And then at number one, I've got the 2011 NFC divisional playoff game against the New Orleans Saints, the Alex Smith game, the 36 to 32 win. The catch three. The catch you, three. Yep. For me, I have at number three, 
the NFC Championship game from January 20th, 2013, 49ers at Atlanta Falcons. At number two, I have to admit, gentlemen, I'm a little disappointed in both of you. I've got Atlanta Falcons at the Niners, week 16, December 23rd, 2013. Pick at the stick. That's the best. That's like that was that was practically my number one. Is the best, coolest game we played in the last ten years. It just had the magic of candlestick, and it was it was an fu to the Atlanta Falcons, who used to be in this division, and it was just one more one more finger right in their face right before we sent them uh, packing just a a, a couple weeks later. Uh, but that. That was the game for me, man. That was the game. See, oh, well, me, I guess no, no, I'm sorry, no. not a couple weeks ago. That was a year before. Uh, but it, it was, it to me was just the most exciting game that we we played in the last ten years at Candlestick. Uh, besides my number one, and it, that to me is why I put it at number two. I was really shocked you guys didn't have that way higher. You know, it wasn't a playoff game, so that's why we, I could I couldn't bo- put it both, in three. We both had it. We both had it on our list, right? No, yeah, yeah it's on everyone's mine, list. Mine was number list. five. Is this up there? Okay. I put Yeah, it. so yours was number five. Mine, where was mine? Mine was, uh, was, was it 10? 10, yeah. No. no, it was nine. Mine was nine. I like how on each, yeah. each list it got further down the line, though. It made its, it wiggled its way down. <laughs> but it, no, it, it, to beat a four-win team in the regular season and make the top 11, I think, says all is all the same reasons you had at number two. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, mm-hmm. all three of us had them beating a random four-win team on our top 11, so... So that I think that goes to show you why, why not only why you had it number two, but why uh, you know it was on all three of our lists because it, it was absolutely uh, one that belonged on a, on anyone's top eleven. Yeah, you know one of the things that we uh, and I'll talk about it more when we, we explain it. But that and then my number one, just like your number one, Ray, New Orleans Saints at the Niners, the catch three, baby. The catch three, the best, the best game we have played in the last ten years for me. The catch three has got to be number one for me. That was the one. All right, so here's my top three. So I've got the January twentieth, twenty thirteen game, Niners and Falcons. Yes, so, where do we have it? The same one. <laughs> twenty twenty eight twenty four. Their their uh, first road to the Super Bowl this decade. Uh, for number two, I've got the December 28th, 2019 game against the Seahawks, the Dre Greenlaw game. Yes, good and choice. Then at number, and then at number one, and this this might be a top 11 first, I've got the January 14th, 2012 <laughs> game, Niners and Saints. Yes. Catch three. Yes. So I, I, this might be the first time all three of us had the exact same number one. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That's amazing. And and you and I, almost identical. We had the same three and number and the same one. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. That's excellent. So Ray. So Ray, break break down your top three. All right. So the the two the 2020 NFC Championship game was again us making the statement where Green Bay could only get 12 points better in the same year, and they just really they just it just you know as so many other pros pointed out it's just a really bad matchup between these two teams. You have a derivative coach that kind of know kind of knows and uses the Kyle Shanahan style but obviously Kyle Shanahan is far superior with that style of offense and it really showed in this game not only with schematically on how these teams execute the game plans but more importantly just the way the talent gelled together and came together you know but i mean credit to credit to Matt uh what was his name Matt the two brothers uh the head coach for the Green Bay Packers that year who's still the head coach Anyways, Matt Matt Lafleur, 
um, Matt LaFlora, you know, for taking Green Bay, getting putting Green Bay back on the map the way he did, certainly credit. But, you know, Kyle Shanahan just proved why he is still the master and why he bested him 2-0 that season. And both of those games were absolute routes, all by the same, same exact score, 37 in both of those games on this list. And then the 2013 NFC Divisional Round, this is just where Cap just goes off. I mean, Cap absolutely just, I mean, he he just steamrolled this team on the ground with a record setting 181 yards, the two scores, the, 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 uh, the, 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 the dap, the dapping that he was doing in that game, the, uh, the kissing of the bicep, it was all earned. I remember, you know, specifically Clay Matthews just being dumbfounded because he just really didn't have an answer as to when cap was going to run and when he was going to pull it and throw it. He just, he just was frozen on a lot of those plays and, and bit the big one, especially on that on that big touchdown run, the first one, and uh, that was just kind of uh, the you know the the big tree. The big three was Cap Gore and Crabtree during the Harbaugh era in the offense, and also uh, Anquan Bolden too. An- Anquan Bolden and Crabtree were both excellent wide receivers. Anquan Bolden being more the possession receiver, and Cap- Crabtree being more of the uh, you know the, the big play receiver. But uh, but uh, that was just a tremendous game. I just remember watching that. I was in a bar. And uh, the whole we were just going crazy because I'd, I'd never seen scrambling like that. I mean, I, the, the last person that scrambled like that was Steve Young. So to see Cap do it in the manner in which he did it, where it really just kind of just decimated Green Bay. And the game was tight. It wasn't a wasn't a wasn't a, a blowout by any stretch, although we ended up winning by two by two possessions. But it was a close game up until the very end. And that was exciting. And then, of course, 2011, for a lot of the reasons that you guys are probably have there, is just to, you know, the significance of the catch three, being back in the playoffs for the first time in I don't know how many years. And Alex Smith, you know, the, the, the you know, quiet pro who just kind of sat there with his head down and dealt with, I don't know, half a dozen different offensive coordinators and finally was able to put it together under Harbaugh and really shined when, when, when the light was on him and the, the, the time was to that it was time to really kind of turn on the juice. Alex Smith answered the the call. I I can't impress upon you how impressed I was with him and just how shocked I was. I mean, even he, he was still unable to top 300 yards in that game, only 299, but he did have three scores, zero touchdowns, including that big scramble at the end with the pull and the the boot run off off the left side there for the big score that just caught him off guard. And then, of course, the infamous Vernon Davis, who also had a killer day, 180 yards for two scores. It was just an amazing game. I remember we were on our feet, and this one just went down to the wire. That last four, the, the, the score, the score changes in the fourth quarter was just insane. Edge of your seat, just you couldn't have asked for a better game. And to me, that was just, I was so happy for Alex Smith to finally just get a significant win under his belt in a big moment and just really going up against, again, toe-to-toe with a, a quarterback that is going to go down in the Hall of Fame as, as one of the one of the all-time greats. And, for, and this is Drew Brees in his prime, you know, just only a couple years removed from, a few years removed from a Super Bowl win. So this is this is prime time, Drew, and for Alex Smith to play the way he did, and the rest of the team to do what they did, especially the Justin Smith grabbing the jersey and and bull rushing and grabbing the jersey of Drew Brees to disrupt that throw uh, and towards the end of the game, that's just a tremendous play. So yeah, this. Uh, well, and was that like three sacks in a row right there? I think there was like three sacks in a row, or three. I think out it was back to back. I think Ahmad Brooks got one, and then Justin Smith got one, or vice versa. Well, and he pulled. He he took that lineman with him. 
Yeah, he bull rushed him into the line mm-hmm. and then was able was only able to grab Drew Brees' jersey, but was enough to bring him down. Yeah, that was Wait, so Ahmad Brooks was allowed to touch Drew Brees? I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's another infamous one game too. Man, I'm still mad about that game. I'm su- I'm surprised that one didn't make our list. <laughs> <laughs> right. So Rudy, Rudy, what do you got for your top three? What break it down for us? So at number three, 49ers at the Atlanta Falcons, the NFC Championship, our first trip back to the Super Bowl. I remember this overwhelming feeling of elation. And I think that's why all three of these games, all three of these games, for me, it's the emotion I felt at the end. It's just an overwhelming sensation of just just I don't know, like the, that feeling that the Niners give you—that they're just the greatest team on the planet Earth, and and they're just capable of magic in a way that no one else is. You know, they're down 17-0. They end the they cut they they get a little bit of they get a little bit of juice in the second half. You know, Cap get, Cap puts up 14 points, but they're still down 24 to 14 at the end of the first half, and it's looking rough. And then the second half comes, and the Falcons never score again. That defense locks it down. The Niners come back to win the game, twenty-eight to twenty-four. And that it was just a—it was just the feeling of us finally going back. They hadn't been there since I was 14, 14 years old, and so it was just an amazing feeling to see that the Niners were all the way back in the Super Bowl. And I remember the year before, the year before when we lost to the Giants. I remember telling everybody that night. We went and saw a Wu Tang Clan show. I'll never forget this with a bunch of, with a bunch of my buddies who happened to be from New York. That was even worse. But the <laughs> the I remember telling them all of them. I said we're going to the Super Bowl next year. I just know it. I can feel it in my bones. The Niners are going next year, and we did. And it was it was all year. I felt that from the moment that season ended all the way back to the start of that next season. I kept saying the Niners are going back. I just believed it. I could feel it. And so that was a really. It was a great game, and, and really, you know, it was the coronation of that team and that era, and it just felt like, uh, you know, it, I just, I was just like, it was just so nice to be right. <laughs> um, uh, number two, as I already mentioned, pick at the stick. You know, I, I don't, I can't really say too much. It already hasn't been said. The one thing I will say that was really great about that Navarro Bowman interception, which you guys have kind of touched on, but he's the reason he's the reason that Atlanta recovered that onside kick because it touched his leg. It touched Navarro Bowman's leg and he wasn't able to get the ball. And, and that's the reason they were even in that position to score. And then for them, for Navarro Bowman to make up for that, for the special teams, uh, for that Kyle Williams esque play and, and get that interception. It's Harbaugh said it was the loudest he'd ever heard ever heard candlestick i would argue it's probably one of the loudest cheers they've ever had dating all the way back to either the, to to the catch three or probably the original catch i mean you want to talk about loud that stadium and the loudness i was in i was in my house jumping up and down screaming at the top of my lungs i was going crazy it was just that was i just the elation again the feeling of that game i i can't those these these three games for me are imprinted in my mind is just the most elation i've ever felt and of course number 1 the catch 3 there's not a whole lot i can say that raymond hasn't already said um you know alex smith vernon davis who you know mike singletary had uh, had a lot of bad things to say the previous year it was one of vernon davis's best years that, that, that those first two years he really was something else and uh, it was just that, that classic joe Monta- 
Montana style magic and really um really solidified solidified who this team was. I keep saying January 14, 2012. It's actually January 14, 2011. I said that for this this catch game. But just a really a magical game. And you know, I've said this before and it's just one of those questions we'll never be have answered, but I really do believe that had we started Alex Smith in in the first in that Super Bowl the following year, I really think we would have won. I really actually believe that. He was very clutch, has always been very clutch. He's had ice in his veins and I think I just think the the Ravens would have never gotten out to the lead that they got out that they got in front of at the first half of the game. Um, with Alex Smith, but the question then, but then that always begs the question: Do we get to the, do we get to the Super Bowl if Kaepernick isn't the isn't the starting quarterback through the playoffs? And I'm not really sure. I, I really believed we were going no matter what, and Colin Kaepernick wasn't even a thought for us after the 2011 season. But this game, um, this game really shows me, and to this day, still makes me feel like we probably would have won the Super Bowl had Alex Smith started. And uh, this game is really probably the number one reason I feel that way. Just uh, an amazing game, and Alex Smith's greatest game. I, I'm, I, I really truly believe it's the greatest game, the greatest football game he's ever played as, as a professional. And uh, it was a great, great game. And you know, he didn't have the hottest start, but. Very classic Joe Montana style. He really came back in the end and uh, really proved his medal when it counted in that fourth quarter. And uh, just a magical, magical game. I'll never forget Vernon Davis running off, crying, grabbing Harbaugh, shades of uh, the catch two. And uh, just a special, special game and, and my favorite game. And and often I often see it come up on many lists at number one for the best playoff game of the decade. I've seen that a lot Uh especially as we were entering ending 2019 and going into 2020 this game came up a lot for uh the in the top 3 or number 1 best playoff game of the of the decade so i think that's pretty cool it, clearly this game resonated with um with the NFL not just not just the Niners this is this is a just one of the greatest playoff games ever played yeah i think fans of football really appreciate it mhm how about you Kansas so for my three, I have you know I have the same three and the same one that you did, um, and uh, and we and I'm not the only one that has the the Dre Greenlaw game, but so just a couple things I'd add, the the Niners beating the the Falcons in Atlanta, you know the the Falcons were 14 and three, and were favored, and the Niners go in there, they beat them 28 24 to get to the Super Bowl. Frank Gore 21 carries, 90 yards, two touchdowns. Cap was 16 for 21 for 233 yards and a touchdown, no interceptions. Vernon Davis had a big day, five catches for 106 yards and a touchdown. So their their three best players played their best, you know, on, on the on what essentially was the biggest stage, um, you know, NFC Championship game. And you know, it it might be sentimental if you're looking at if you when you're starting to make lists of like this is their this was their first trip to the Super Bowl that decade. So it's hard not to put it really high, but it was just a really well-played game. And I think when you look at what are the best games of the Niners, then you have to look at games where all the best players do well. So that was one of the reasons that was higher on my list than some other games. Um, for number two, the the Niners beating Seattle in Seattle. Niners are 12-3 and three going in. Seahawks are 11-4. and four. 
the winner of this game is going to get a buy and and be a top seed. The loser is going to be a wild card and have to go on the road. So the st- the stakes are as high as it gets for any regular season game ever. To have a goal line stand like they did was incredible. The fact that the Seahawks had a delay of game is the funniest thing in the history of this decade, um, especially for a team that Pete Carroll coaches that's supposed to be well coached. Um, that you have a Niners fan base who can't stand the Seahawks and for them to royally screw up so poorly um, is hilarious. And I think gets lost in the Dre Greenlaw moment because the Seahawks likely score, or at least it's going to be easier for them to score. Obviously the, any time a team has a goal line stand, there's, you could, you could make the case that they wouldn't have scored um, regardless, but the fact that they had, they lost five yards in that, um, goal line stand is is hilarious to me, but Dre Greenlaw's tackle, um, the fact that it's the same number as Buns, the fact that it was it looked identical to Buns, the way it was right at the goal line, um, it's going to be etched in the memory of every Niner fan that watched that game. Um, the same way that uh, that Buns's tackle was, and to your point, Ray, um, it, you know Buns's tackle wasn't the last play of the game or the last play of the stand. Um, but the fact that it was literally right at the goal line um, is is just an incredible visual for stopping someone inches away from from Pater. So, um, you know, Dre Greenlaw doesn't have to do a single thing the rest of his career, and he'll be a, a Niner legend forever. And this, in the same way that Buns is, and I think that in and of itself makes that game even more special. Um, but the fact that it was in Seattle against uh, the rival of all rivals that had such an impact on who, who had to play where um, in the playoffs is, uh, is, is, is you can't understate that. And then we all have the same number one. The, the only thing I'll mention that we, we didn't uh, touch on as that specifically, but you guys kind of alluded to it was just how bonkers the last seven and a half minutes of the game was because in, you know, the fourth quarter, 23, 17, 7:36 to play. Niners ahead on, you know, at home, trying to, you know, hold off this high-powered offense of the of the Saints. And Darren Sproles scores a 44-yard touchdown to go up by one with four minutes left. So any Niner fan who's like, we're definitely going to win this game, suddenly is like, oh crap, that's right, Drew Brees is pretty good. And then the Alex Smith 28-yard touchdown run to make it 29-24 with two minutes left. And then not to get the the two point conversion is like okay well we we got the lead at least but this game isn't over because Drew Brees can still do something and then like in thirty seconds the Saints score on a sixty six yard touchdown to to Jimmy Graham ugh the so missed tackle like, horrible tackling on that play I was so pissed so so it's just I mean when when you mentioned Rudy that this comes up on top lists it, I think it's because of this these four plays that there aren't that many NFL games where you have just slinging touchdown after touchdown after touchdown. So to have Sproles score a 44-yard touchdown, Smith get a 28-yard run, Graham get a 66-yard touchdown, and then to cap it off with a touchdown with nine seconds to go from, to Vernon Davis, it's a 14-yard touchdown pass that looked identical to in some ways to the Terrell Owens catch. The reaction from Vernon Davis was identical to the Terrell Owens catch. 
it's like anyone who's a football fan who doesn't have a, a any skin in the game who isn't a Saints fan isn't a Niner fan is loving that last seven and a half minutes. And, yeah, and you know because a twenty three seventeen game in the fourth quarter is not necessarily memorable. No, right? it, was kind of, it was kind of a typical Niner game of that era where teams kind of are hanging in there, but the defense is so stout that you know one possession is good enough for that for that Harbaugh team. Well, and and, and I um, I just actually had just thought of this, but this this was all this is the Pierre Thomas game, right? Where he yes. got he, he got he basically died. Yeah, had, had <laughs> yeah. To be res- resuscitated on the field. Yeah. So I mean, I mean the game the game was a hard hitting game. And, I shouldn't you know, laugh at that. Um. Well, and and he didn't actually die, so it's it's okay. It's, it's fine. <laughs> um, I mean, every, all NFL players have CTE, but that's a whole other story. But anyway, um, so, but the fact that those four touchdown, um, those four touchdowns happened, Saints Niners Saints Niners, in in you know four in a four minute span, um, is in some ways I don't I don't have stats in front of me, but I don't know if that's ever happened before, where there have been four scores in four minutes. Um, like that to, to where a 23-17 game suddenly becomes a 36-32, you know, shootout with four minutes left. Um, so for the, for what it was in, in a lot of ways, a regular game in the playoffs became an arena league game um, with four minutes left. You know, it's, it's hard not to be overwhelmed with excitement about a game like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it was a, it was a real, Real great game, and I think the the significance of 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 all the games we had. You know what I noticed too, and I was curious about this. We no one, not a single Tom Sula or Chip Kelly game made it onto anybody's lists. I'm not surprised, but I wasn't sure. You maybe we, but uh, it's a, this was a strictly Shanahan Harbaugh uh, only top eleven list. <laughs> We 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 had to focus on wins, right? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. That's right. That's right. I mean, it, I mean, it's all it's cute and all when a team you know almost wins, but sometimes winning matters a little bit more. And I think one one thing we noticed with our list is that most of these games were playoffs or games that you know led to the playoffs. So you know when you have a team that's had as much success as the Niners have in the last ten years, I know Niner fans don't might not look at this decade as the most successful because they don't have any rings, but they have a lot of, they have a lot of uh, playoff wins. They have a lot of, you know, they have two Super Bowl appearances, which is more than most teams have had this decade. Um, So there's been a lot of Niners success this decade, even if, uh, even if they don't have any, uh, any of the um, Lombardi trophies to show for it. Four NFC championships in the last four NFC championship appearances in the last ten seasons is fucking nuts. And the closest thing we have on this side to the Patriots. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's one thing. When I made this list, I realized that when I was putting playoff games in my honorable mention, that says something about the decade that they had. Yeah, absolutely. It was a it was a real. Uh, it was a real great. It was a great decade. It was a tough decade because we, you know, we couldn't we couldn't seal the deal, but overall, way better than the first ten years of the this century. You know, way better than the first ten years of this century. Oh yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah, two two thousand to two thousand nine would would be a much more uh, embarrassing list. Hey, that week that week two win where they kind of sort of beat a bad team that's that's <laughs> yeah that's that, that it has to make, that had to make my list because we didn't win much <laughs> <laughs> very true 
Uh, Raymond, any final thoughts from you? Just that the uh, I think um, I think it speaks volumes about uh, this uh, this casting crew when we all se- select the uh, the appropriate game for the number one spot on this particular list. I think uh, uh, you can't say can't say enough about that game and how awesome it was to watch in the final quarter. Mm-hmm. It was. It was. It was a great. Great, uh, it was a great run, and that that that's yeah, that's without question. You know, like you said, it's uh, no no doubt the number one, and uh, I'm sure this game will return. I won't be. I'm sure this number one game will return when we have our full Bay Area Top Eleven tournament of the greatest games of the last ten years. I I am sure the Catch Three will find itself in contention again for. For a high spot on that top eleven list, I have no idea where yet, but it it'll be back. It's gonna come back for sure. Um, all right. Any final thoughts from you, Candlestick Will? Yeah, just um, I think when you when you someone asks you what the last ten years was like for the Niners, you say, "Well, we beat the Saints a lot, we beat the Seahawks a few times, and we beat the hell out of the Packers all decade." <laughs> yeah. God, the Packers. The Packers couldn't win a single game in this decade against a a playoff contending Niners team. Yeah, yeah, but I think that's the thing. It's like you know they they obviously didn't didn't beat the Seahawks all the time, you know, because the Seahawks are a damn good team too. Um, but they did they did have some signature wins against them, um, even if the that NFC Championship game one still stings. But you know they had some big wins against. Uh, against them they had some big wins against the saints and then man they slapped the hell out of the packers so that just the the repeat the repeat customers of those three teams was the thing that stood out for me when making this list yeah me too i i felt the same way i was like man it just seems like the packers the saints the packers the saints and the seahawks just keep showing up over and over and over again on these lists but those were the best th- games. What can we say? Those were. Well, and I, when I think, I think you know that's the other thing too. Is that like you had the the Jaguar game, and one of the things that that you you mentioned that I think stood out to me was that it was the the fact that you had no expectations going into that game because the Jaguars' defense was so dominant that year, and the Niners were still just getting to know each other, and so the fact that they went in and just smacked them around was like the where you thought they would be and where they ended up in that game, the, that jump was bigger than most for all the games that you put on your list. And sometimes that's you know, the narrative around a game. You know, the, like when, the, when Kaepernick beat Cam Newton head-to-head, there was so much talk about who was the better quarterback and who would be the better quarterback going forward going into that game. So when Kaepernick outplayed Cam Newton in Carolina – that narrative then attaches itself to that game. You know, when Kaepernick could, in essence, even though it was, he, even though Brady threw for over 400 yards, Kaepernick outplayed Brady in New England. So it's like the fact that that also was, it's like, here's some kid getting his fifth ever start against the best quarterback in the world. And he beats him on the road in a, in a, in a stadium that Brady never loses in. It's like those narratives matter more than just what the final score was or just where it was in the season. 
Um, and I think that's that's what makes these lists so cool is that, you know, a random comeback win against the Eagles, you know, may, maybe didn't make our lists, you know, made my honorable mention, but it's like, that's the kind of game that started the Harbaugh era. Mm-hmm. So in, in reality, if we have a revisionist history of this list or look at it, this list again, that Eagles game might have mattered a whole lot more than we gave it credit for because of how of how much that win led to more wins, you know, and, th- and that kind of thing. So sometimes it's it's not just so much the the, the game and, and the NFC Championship game that matters more. It's that had they not come back in that Eagles game, maybe they don't go on a run that year, you know, that kind of thing. So, you know, sometimes when we, we peel back some of the layers of why, uh, why a game – it should be on a list or not. It's those narratives around the story that was going on before the game and, and how things happened afterwards that really makes a, a huge difference. Totally. I totally agree with that. Absolutely. Well, gentlemen, good stuff. We will be back next week with the top 11 greatest Golden State Warriors games. And then as, we, as Candlestick Will already mentioned, the following week, We will do the SF Giants games and then our top 11 tournament. Who has, what are the top 11 best games of the decade for all of our three major teams? The Niners, the Warriors, and the Giants. Who gets on the final list? This is kind of our version of March Madness. This is our brackets. This is how we're doing it. So uh, tune in. This is going to be some fun, fun stuff. And so concludes another edition of the Top 11 Podcast. We are the Voice of the Bay. I'm your host, Rudy Solis III. And with me is my brother, my co-host. Raymond Solis I, baby. And our esteemed co-host. Candle, stick, will. Boom! We'll see you next time. Same Top 11 time, same Top 11 channel. This is, is the Gold Cast. <laughs>